in your Bibles, first of all, to Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to read the first 10 verses of this pericope. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are ye saved. And hath raised us up together, and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works lest man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. And then if you'll also turn with me to the Gospel of John, chapter 15, which was also the ladies' passage this past week in the Women's Fellowship Bible Study. And I like to read the first eight verses of John 15, as it deals also with good works. I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. For if a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit so shall ye be my disciples. Based upon those two passages, and of course many more, 
we had the instruction of the Heidelberger in Lord's Day 24. And in Lord's Day 24, we have three questions and answers. Page 13 in the back of your Psalter, Lord's Day 24. Question 62. But... Why cannot our good works be the whole or the part of our righteousness before God? Answer. Because that the righteousness which can be approved of before the tribunal of God must be absolutely perfect and in all respects conformable to the divine law and also that our best works in this life are all imperfect, and defiled with sin. What? Do not our good works merit, which God will reward in this and in a future life? Answer, this reward is not of merit, but of grace. Question 64. But, Doth not this doctrine make men careless and profane? And by that doctrine it means the doctrine of justification by faith alone. By no means. For it's impossible that those who are implanted into Christ by a true faith should not bring forth fruits of thankfulness. May God bless the reading and the preaching of his word. Beloved our Lord Jesus Christ, first of all, I want you to take notice that Lord's Day 24 is really an appendix to Lord's Day 23. It is apologetic in nature. Now, boys and girls, when I say it's apologetic, I don't mean that it's saying we're sorry for something. That's an apology. But apologetic means it is a defense of the true faith when it's under attack. And that's true of, for example, the whole Belgic Confession. There the Christians, the Reformed folk, were called bad citizens, unwilling to obey the government. And that was true of the Anabaptists. And Guido de Bray says, no, 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 we're not bad citizens. We make the best citizens because this is what we confess. This is what we believe. And, of course, you know that the Canons of Dort is also apologetic. That is over against the errors of the remonstrants in the Netherlands. It sets forth not only their errors, but then the truth that we confess as churches. Well, Lord's Day 24 is then also that apologetic kind of defense against wrong teaching. Especially the teaching if you say that Yuan is saved only by grace, by Christ alone, people are going to be profane and godless in their life. Why obey? If if our obedience has nothing to do with our salvation. There's three ways that this Lord's Day is apologetic. Number one, it denies that our works 
have any part in our justification or our being saved. Second of all, it emphasizes the rewards for good works. And that reward is of pure grace. Thirdly, this Lord's Day repudiates the doctrine that, that those who are saved by grace alone makes men careless or profane, or as the Dutch has it, godless. That apologetic is very necessary and very important because how deeply ingrained in the human mind, in the sinful mind and soul, is that idea that somehow we merit God's approval. Or that, since we're saved by grace only, why do any good works? We're not under the law, they say, but we're under grace. No sinner can have a moment of peace except in the faith that he or she is forever righteous before God because of the free gift that God gave in his son, Jesus Christ, without any kind of works of ours attached to it. Man, if I was going to look at my life and at my works and I had to be assured of my salvation through that, I wouldn't. Because as we're going to see, our works are all filthy, like filthy rags. Good works cannot be meritorious. They wouldn't even be meritorious if they were perfect works because they are those things that God works in us to will and to do of his good pleasure. So Lord's Day 24 is the counterpart, or it is the flip side of Lord's Day 23. In Lord's Day 23, we had the positive instruction, the heart of the gospel. We are justified by grace in Christ Jesus alone. And that is ours by faith. Now, Lord's Day 24 comes at that same truth negatively. We are justified only on the ground of the perfect righteousness of Christ, not at all by our works. And now Lord's Day 24 answers objections that are brought against that doctrine of justification by faith alone. So that's what we're going to look at this morning. Justification and our good works. Notice, first of all, that our works earn no merit. Second of all, but our works are rewarded by grace. And thirdly, that our works are the fruit of faith. So, it is we are saved not by works, but we are also not saved without works. We're not saved by works, but we are also not saved without works.
works. For justified believers will perform good works. Those works are necessary. Those works are there that are going to be judged in eternity when Christ comes again. We have in Revelation chapter 20 that word of God, don't we? Let me read that passage a moment. Revelation 20 verses 12 and 13. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up its dead which were in it. And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. We are justified by faith and by God's grace alone. That's Ephesians chapter 2, isn't it, in our text. And that's not our own work. It's God's work. It's God's gift. Faith is given to us. But then in Ephesians chapter 2, we do also have that beautiful teaching with a purpose. Why are we saved? And we read in Ephesians 2 verse 10, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. We walk in good works because we're redeemed by Christ Jesus and we're showing our thankfulness. It was God's purpose of redeeming a people for himself. We read in Hebrews 11, verse 6, Without faith is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So we are saved by faith. Now we have to understand that faith, don't we? And there we can go to the Belgic Confession again, Article 22, page 45 in the back of your Psalters if you want to follow that. Faith in Jesus Christ and the second paragraph there. Therefore we justly say with Paul that we are justified by faith alone or by faith without works. However, to speak more clearly, we do not mean that faith itself justifies us, for it is only an instrument with which we embrace Christ, our righteousness. But Jesus Christ, imputing to us all of his merits and so many holy works which he has done for us and in our stead, is our righteousness. And faith is an instrument that keeps us in communion with him in all his benefits, which when becomes ours are more than sufficient to acquit us of all of our sins. So the doctrine, we are saved, we are justified by God's grace in Christ Jesus through faith. Faith whereby we make what Christ has 
or we claim it as our own. These works, beloved, they do not save us. They don't form any part of our righteous standing before God. What does? It is Jesus' blood and righteousness alone earning our standing right before God. And that robe of righteousness that we now wear, it was sown by Jesus Christ alone. The gates of hell, or the gates of heaven, open only to Christ's call. And there's no other way for anyone to make it into heaven. Again, let me read from Revelation 22. And we read there in verses 12 and 14. Surely I come quickly and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. Saved by Christ's righteousness given to us. And so our works, beloved, proceed out of one source. And what is that source? It is thankfulness. Thankfulness for God's gracious salvation of us. Let me go back to Psalm 116, which was also part of our call to worship. We read there that in Psalm 116, Open to me the gates of righteousness. I will go into them, and I will praise the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord into the righteousness that shall enter. I will praise thee, for thou hast heard me and art become my salvation. God is the Lord which hath shown us light. Bind the sacrifice to the cords, even the horns of the altar. And then we respond, thou art my God. I will praise thee, thou art my God. I will exalt thee. Thankfulness. That's where our works arise out of. But again, those works do not merit any salvation. They can't add anything to our right standing before God that is only in Christ Jesus. You will remember that the, what the Reformation was all about. The church at that time was saying, oh, of course, yes, we need Jesus to save us, but besides what Jesus did, his work takes care of any sins before our baptism, but After baptism, we have to live righteous lives, and then he will give us salvation. The answer is no. No, from beginning to end, all of our salvation is based upon only what Jesus Christ has done. So let me emphasize again. Our works will not earn us anything when it comes to our salvation. Why is that? Well, it's because 
God himself says it, isn't it? God says in Romans 3, verse 20, that we are saved only by Christ Jesus. Let me read that passage also. We read there, Therefore by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. Why is that? Because by the law, there is the knowledge of sin. That's what the law can do. Show us our sin. It does not pave the way for our salvation. And then to insist that good works somehow form even part of our salvation is really to say that Christ died in vain. That his work was not sufficient. Galatians 2, uh, 2 verse 21 For the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And then Paul says, I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness come by the law, then Christ really is dead in vain. There's one way to be saved. There's only one way to be declared righteous by God. And that is by what Jesus Christ did on the cross. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Are you thankful for that truth? Our works cannot somehow supplement what Christ did because our works are polluted. Isaiah 64, verse 6. But we all are as an unclean thing And all of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. And we do fade as a leaf. And our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. We cannot merit, we cannot earn anything from God. What do we read in Luke 17? So likewise, when ye shall have done all of those things that I have commanded you, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done that which was our duty. So even if our works were perfect, we didn't earn anything. We were created to live for God's glory. But far from being perfect, as we've seen, they are from Isaiah 64, filthy rags. The reformer John Calvin said that earning salvation with works would be like trying to pay for salvation with dung. That's a rather graphic phrase, but it points out the impossibility. How can you and I stand righteous before God this morning again It's only through the blood of Jesus Christ. It's only by God's grace giving him to us. And it's appropriated by us, by faith. Oh, but now listen to our catechism instructor a moment. What he says? Do not our good works merit which 
yet God will reward in this and in a future life? Come on, take the word of God. It says over and over that God does reward us according to our works. And then you want to say it doesn't earn us anything? No, it doesn't earn us anything. Matthew chapter 10, or Mark chapter 10, verses 29 through 31. And Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, there is no man that hath left house, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my sake and the gospels, but he shall receive a hundredfold. Now in this time, houses, and brethren, and sisters, and mothers, and children, and lands, with persecutions, and in the life, the world to come, eternal life. We are rewarded for our works. Jesus was assuring his disciples because Peter said, lo, we have left all and have followed thee. Look at what's happened to us. Jesus says, you're going to be rewarded. You're going to be rewarded. Or think of the other passage from Revelation 22. We're going to be judged according to our works. Those works that we perform will have eternal significance. One of the passages I love to quote or put in the bulletin when one saint dies is from Revelation chapter 14, isn't it? Verse 13. Blessed are they that die henceforth in the Lord, for they rest from their labors and their works do follow them. Good works, rewarded. They have eternal significance. But now the truth, that reward is all of God's grace. And it's all of God's grace because God works those things in us. God enables us to do those things. He causes us to want to do them and makes us able to do those things. So what are these things that God enables us to do and that he will reward? Well, beloved, it is your and my whole life, isn't it? Every day that we live in Christ Jesus and for Christ Jesus, those are the deeds that we do because, John 15, we are those branches that draw our life from Christ Jesus and they are those things then that we do for the honor of Christ Jesus. Philippians 2, verse 13, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. Christ. You see, it's Christ who earned that righteousness. By his obedience in all of his life, by obeying his Father and going to the cross for us, and doing it loving his Father the whole time, Christ earned something, a reward. A reward that is now handed over to you and to me. Oh, beloved, it is impossible. 
It is impossible for believers not to do good works. And we're going to get into that more later on because we are the branches that are attached to the vine which has life in itself and gives that life to us to produce fruit. And beloved, these works that God works in us, enables us to do, we read is rewarded in Revelation 22, is rewarded in time and in eternity. Already now we have rewards for serving and living for Christ. What is that reward that we have now? Isn't it peace with God? As we read in the scriptures, great peace have they which love thy perfect law. Oh, if we live in disobedience, then we are restless. Think a moment, boys and girls, of David. When he committed adultery and he killed the man, not many of the Israelites knew what was all going on behind the scenes, but God knew. And David had no peace in his soul. He says, I feel like I'm completely dried out. It is only as we live for Christ, as we run in the way of his commandments, that we have peace, knowing that God loves us in Christ Jesus and that our works are brought then before his throne, perfected by Christ Jesus. We have peace. Let me illustrate it in another way, boys and girls. Let's say your dad and mom went away for the day. They had some business to take place, and they said, Okay, son, daughter, here's some work we want you to do before we come home, before you play. I want you to do the dishes. I want you to clean up your room. Maybe mow the lawn. Then you can have fun. But do those things. You do them. And everything's going to be okay. Dad and mom come home and say, good. You did a good job with it. But now let's imagine, boys and girls, that they, your parents told you to do those things. But you say, well, we'll do it later. We'll do it a little later. Let's have fun, some fun first. Let's get outside and... And then, oh, oh, dad and mom come home. The dishes aren't clean yet. My room isn't picked up yet. The lawn is not mowed yet. What's dad going to say? How are they going to punish me? What is the peace that you and I have as God's children when we walk in the way of his commandments? Great peace. We know it is well with my soul, as the hymn writer says. It is well. But we are rewarded not only now every day of our life, but also the catechism says we will also be comforted in the life to come. Matthew chapter 25. Let me look at that passage up a moment. Verse 21. Remember this parable, boys and girls? Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. 
I will now make thee a ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy master. God's well done. You see, each one of us is going to meet the maker. Well done, good and faithful servant. And the more faithful that we are in this life, the more we are going to be rewarded in the life to come. You see, there are degrees of glory, just like there are degrees of punishment in the life that is to come. For the wicked... Jesus says it's going to be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah where there was all those, that homosexuality. It's going to be more tolerable for them than for the citizens of Capernaum or Bethsaida because Christ worked right in their midst. There's degrees of punishment, but there are also degrees of glory. Yes, the thief on the cross, he believed in the Lord Jesus Christ and he was saved but reward of good works, there's that beautiful confession on the cross. But what about the life of Paul in contrast? Paul who gave up everything, who was stoned, who was persecuted, was even put to death because he labored for Christ Jesus all of his life. Good works are rewarded by God in his grace. Let me use another illustration, boys and girls. If you would clean those dishes and you would pick up your room and if you mowed the lawn, do you come to dad and mom and say, hey, now how much are you going to pay me? I did all these things. Give me some pay. I would think your father and your mother would say, son, daughter, you eat by the table, don't you? And you are wearing clothes, aren't you? And you are going to a Christian school, aren't you? Don't talk about what I owe you. But that father and mother, quite often, just to encourage the children, will give them some spending money or an allowance. They didn't earn it. It's grace. Well, beloved, that is exactly with your and my life. Without Christ, we can't do anything good. But God works in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. We don't come and say, Lord, I earned something. Look at what I did. No. Doesn't earn anything, but God does reward us. He is saying, yes, my servants, men and women and children, live for me, and I am a God who is so loving and great I reward you for what you do. It's by grace. What a great comfort in this confession. What? Don't we earn anything? Doesn't God reward it? Of course God rewards it, but it's all of grace, not of works. How thankful. Because if I had to earn my salvation by my works... And I know what thoughts go through my mind at times or what words I might utter or what deeds I have done. I wouldn't be sure. I would not have assurance that I have done enough. I can't do enough. 
I'm a sinner. The fruit, the fruit of our salvation is love for God, love for his kingdom, and it is the desire to be pleasing to God. That goes against our sinful flesh, doesn't it? Because so often we would like to have something that we could say, this is what I did, this is what I can offer you, Lord. Lord, Lord, haven't I done this? Lord, Lord, haven't I done that? What did Jesus say to them? Depart from me, workers of iniquity. Whereas there are others. Jesus says, enter into the joy of the master because you have given water to the thirsty, you have given food to the hungry, you have clothed those who are poor, And we all say, what? When did I give you water, Lord? When did I give you food, Lord? When did I clothe you, Lord? When you did it to the least of my children, you have done it unto me. God's work in us and therefore by us. God working in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Beloved, that brings me then to my third point. What about our works? What is the relationship between justification and our good works? Our works are the fruit of our salvation. Our works are the fruit of our faith. How abhorrent is the idea of a careless and profane life. Isn't that what the catechism writer is saying? This is what some people were charging, the Reformed doctrine of being saved by grace alone. They would say that makes you careless and profane, or the Dutch word would be godless. Doth not this doctrine make men careless and profane? Answer, by no means. For it is impossible that those who are implanted into Christ by a true faith should not bring forth fruits of thankfulness. Impossible. Impossible that you and I would say what some of the people were saying in the day of the Apostle Paul. There were those who were saying, well, let's go on sinning so that God's grace may increase more. How diabolical. That means how devilish. That's the whispering of Satan. Go ahead and sin because, well, God's going to forgive you anyhow. Sinning because God's merciful? No. No, there will always be fruit. When one believes in the Lord Jesus Christ and is thankful for what he has done, we want to please him. Remember as a young son, dad mom would be gone and I would want to do things to show my love for them, to surprise them when they came home. We read in Psalm 116, verse 9, I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. Verse 12, what shall I render unto the Lord for all of his benefits to me? 
I'll take the cup of salvation. I'll call upon the name of the Lord. I'll pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all his people. Verse 17, I will offer unto thee the sacrifice of thanksgiving and will call upon the name of the Lord. That's what we're doing here, isn't it, beloved? We want to worship the Lord. We want to sing his praises. We want to live for him. Because he has made us his. He has graciously blotted out our sins and given to us the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So the argument that doctrine of grace alone makes one careless and profane, not at all. It is the misuse of that doctrine. The misuse of that doctrine makes men, Christians, lazy and careless and profane. The devil twists it. The devil says to you and me, ah, you don't have to try so hard because after all, you're not going to be saved by your works. God's merciful. Go ahead. Go ahead, do that sin. God will forgive you anyhow. You know where that thinking started? Already in Paul's day, but especially during the Reformation by the Anabaptists. They said, we're not under the law. We can't be saved by the law, so therefore we don't have to obey the law. And they became very, very godless. Not holding on to marriage. All kinds of sins. What a terrible thing. They threw out the baby with the bathwater. They said, since we're not saved by our works, we don't have to do works. Go ahead, sin. God forbid. That's the answer of Scripture. That's the answer of the Apostle Paul. Should I sin that grace may abound? God forbid. And our catechism makes it very clear that that is the case. That's why John 15, which the ladies looked at this past week. Jesus is the vine. You and I are the branches. And the vine is a living vine full of sap. And you and I who are connected to Christ Jesus by faith have that life infused into us so that there's only one result. There will be fruit on the branches because they have their life in Christ Jesus. We must do good works just like the branches on the vine must bear fruit. Just as the flower must bloom. Just as the bird must sing. Just as the sun must shine. Don't deny the very nature of our salvation. We are saved in order that we may now live for Christ. That we may perform those works that God has decreed for us in eternity. We worship on Sunday. We try to do our business honestly. Boys and girls, we do our schoolwork as good as we can. Why? Because we love our God. 
we're thankful for our salvation in Jesus Christ. And we desire to be pleasing unto him. And now the plus side, and God in his grace who works that in us, will reward us. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of thy master. Amen. Father in heaven, we thank thee for that precious doctrine. We are saved. We are justified, not by our works, filthy rags that they are. But we are justified and saved by Christ alone in thy grace through faith. What a beautiful channel. And so we pray, Father, increase our faith. Increase our love. Increase our obedience. For we are thine. Saved by Christ Jesus as thy sons and daughters to live for thee, to bring glory to thy name. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.